Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about how God is working through this generation. My name is Josh Mann, and with me in the studio yet again... Let's go! ...is Sammy Haywood. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm 10 out of 10 today. Nice. Just remember, do not hit the table because it is going to fall apart. I just air hit the table. Yeah, we've got our table taped together because we're on a COVID budget out here at St. Paul's Castle Hill. Nice, nice. We also got Ben, Benjamin Tranner, our producer here. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? I'm going Buttons. well. Going well. We've He's... also got a friend in the studio today. We do. We do. You specifically said, don't mention it. <laughs> oh, did you? Ah, oh, well. Sam... <laughs> Sammy... Sammy Heinrich is with us today as well. Your mic's turned up. Good to be with you, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we promised we wouldn't, like, get you on the podcast. But that's... I'm we got gonna... you on. I'm going to take a moment. That's just vintage Sam Heinrich. He doesn't okay. care about... If we say his name, he doesn't care about getting recognition. He will serve to serve God and God alone. So thank you, Sam. You know who Heinrich. built this studio with his bare hands? Sam, Sam Heinrich. Heinrich. Wow. Just yeah. a servant-hearted yeah. guy. <laughs> We've gone from not mentioning him to just pumping up his tires. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those who humble themselves will be exalted. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, it's great vibes in the studio this afternoon. Yes. This is good. And we're going to speak about a really, really important issue. Mm. And we're looking at this idea of intimacy when I feel guilt and shame. Which is, which is huge. I think it's massive in the church as a whole. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's something that we're going to speak about. It's something that we're going to go through as uh, we as we progress. And firstly, we've got to nail down a definition of what guilt and shame is, because often mm. it, they get paired together, guilt and shame. But are they actually the same? Mm, that's a very good question, Josh. <laughs> man, I have actually chatted to a few psychologists about this question um, in. Uh, other projects. And interestingly, I think from a clinical perspective, they're not very different in regards to kind of like how your body responds to doing the wrong thing. Guilt and shame seem quite similar. And actually, I didn't expect this, but I said, hey, there's a big difference between guilt and shame. Like from a psychological perspective, can you like break that down? They were like, yeah, we don't really think that (laughs) there is much of a difference. But I think from a spiritual perspective, there is a pretty significant and important difference between guilt and shame. And if we were to say it in simple terms, we would say guilt is the awareness that you've done the wrong thing. Shame is the feeling that you are a bad person. Yeah. Like guilt is about what you've done and shame is about who you are. Yeah. There's, there's a yes and no answer for guilt. Sure. You're either yeah. guilty or you're not. Or you're not guilty. Yeah, it's a verdict. Yeah. It's like a court of law. Either you did it or you didn't do yeah. it. And and even if you try to deny that you did it, God knows anyway. Absolutely. So, you know, guilty, as we said, it's, it's a yes or no response. You either yes. did it or you didn't. It's it's the, if you want to put it into a phrase, it's mm. I did something wrong. Yeah. I feel guilty means I feel like I did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But shame is I feel like I'm a bad person mm. because I did that. Yeah. And that is... Um, quite unhealthy and that actually came into the picture in the book of Genesis right in the beginning when they felt shame and they hid from God shame makes you run away from God but look there's a third thing that I actually think is important Whoa, to bring this is not in into the equation <laughs> is conviction nice okay so conviction is a similar feeling to yeah. guilt and shame but conviction comes from the holy spirit and conviction is actually God telling you that something that you've done has hurt the heart of the father, which is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So um, the Bible says that shame is not good. Shame is a product of the fall and shame makes us run away from God because it tells us that we're someone that should hide from God because we're bad and he doesn't like us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the blood of Jesus Christ has sprinkled us clean from a guilty conscience. Okay, so in fact, the gospel actually also takes away our guilt because before God, we haven't done the wrong thing because of Christ. It's been wiped away and washed away. But the Bible does talk about conviction being a really good thing. And conviction is where the Holy Spirit says, hey, the thing that you did actually hurt the heart of God and it's not his plan for your life. Now, here's the kicker. 
my fear in the church today is that in our conversation about guilt and shame being bad, people get confused or they confuse conviction, which is good with guilt and shame. And so throw out conviction as well. Do you, you want to elaborate that in a little bit? So they they feel they feel convicted uh-huh. and they think, oh, I feel ashamed. Sure. So they throw that feeling out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So feel convicted, shouldn't have done that thing. It hurt the heart of God, but that's just guilt and shame. I shouldn't feel guilt and shame. So it's fine. I'm going to run away and I'm going to keep doing it, which is not good at all. Okay. So if you were to pinpoint the practical difference between mm. conviction and shame, mm-hmm. what would it be? Okay. The practical difference is that conviction motivates you to run toward God, right? <laughs> Josh's fist pumping. <laughs> that was good. In the, in the studio <laughs> here. And shame motivates you to hide from God. Nice. Because conviction leads toward repentance and repentance is sweet. Repentance is freedom. Repentance is good. And repentance has to happen in the presence yep. of God because you're repenting to God. But shame, like Adam and Eve yep. did in the garden, makes you want to hide from God. Yeah. So that is the distinct difference. That's the distinct You either difference. go towards God or you go away from God. Away from God. Okay. Yes. And so why do you think, and we talk about this shame culture in uh-huh. the church as a whole, in the yeah. wider church, why do you think we... That, that exists. Why is there a shame culture? Mm, because that is the function of Christianity being um, a religion when it should be a relationship. Because um, most religions are about what do you need to do to be right um, with God? And it's it's performance-based and that leads uh, leaders in the church to push behavioral modification, yep. which is you need to do the right thing. And if you don't do the right thing, then you're like totally messed up with God and he's kind of frustrated with you. Um, the cross completely obliterates that out of the equation. It's actually not about performing. It's about love. And in fact, love is what becomes our motivation to do the right or the wrong thing. Yep. And I think that's a really important distinction because the Bible says if you don't obey God's commandments, you don't love God, right? Which is quite confronting. Jesus says um, in the book of John, if you love me, you will Do do what I say, basically. So here's what all that boils down to. If you are looking for Jesus to permit um, things that you're doing, uh, then you don't really love him, if that makes sense. So if if your question is always, where is the line? What can I yeah. do? How far can I go before it becomes sin? Then Jesus is saying, the posture of your heart shows me that you're not actually a Christian. Mm. Because a Christian would come to Jesus and say, how do I please you? What's going to bring me closer into intimacy with you? Mm. How can I... Um, it's, it's a normal relationship yeah. kind of thing. So, so this notion of ticking boxes and doing the Christian thing, yeah. that leads us to be, that leads us to have this shame culture. Because when we see people not doing the right thing, we yeah. project, project shame on them or, or we make them feel ashamed. Yeah, I think we can we can make people feel ashamed, but really it's the enemy, the, the devil yes. that makes people feel ashamed. Because yeah. when you do the wrong thing, the devil will say to you, you are a dirty, rotten sinner because you did this. And this is just proof that you're trash and you're a mess and God really is frustrated with you. Um, And I think a lot of the times that's kind of what people can hear um, from from the the church, which is why shame and guilt is a a big problem. I think being a teacher and someone that teaches biblical studies Mm -hmm. in a a local school, I think this is the, the biggest issue for young people a lot of young people that their view of christianity is just rules tick a box sure and that's that's their view of god and it's it's so sad to see that that's how they think they can relate to god that's how they think they do relate to god Mm -hmm. by just doing things right i think my role as a teacher a christian teacher is to try shape and point them towards relationship rather than religion yes and I, i reckon i say every single lesson but still they don't get it, right? Yeah. Because I think our society is so 
um, built towards this idea that you work your way to mm-hmm. something, you work your way to success. And yeah. so we've just projected that onto spirituality yeah. where you work your way to heaven. Yeah. And if you don't do that, well, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you and you feel shame. Absolutely. Christianity is so unique yeah. in that sense that it's not, it's genuinely not a performance based religion, yeah. which is so outside of our world that you're right. It doesn't make sense to people. And Man, I feel like that's why people don't enjoy being a Christian. <laughs> like for the most part, people don't enjoy being a Christian because um, they don't enjoy being obedient to to the Lord. And they think that being obedient to the Lord is all that Christianity is because, well, if I don't do what Jesus tells me to do, then I'm not right with God and I want to be right with God. So I'm going to begrudgingly do what he tells me to do. Even if in my heart, I don't want to do what he tells me to do. But then I do it, even though I don't want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. And that's the whole idea. Like we sin, we do those things because deep down we we actually love it. You know, the human nature is they, we love to sin because we think it's pleasurable we think Uh it's going to give us peace we think it's going to give us fulfillment yeah so the antidote to that and the power against sin is a greater love yes we need to fall in love with Mm -hmm. someone greater yeah jesus yes so love is the only option correct to getting you out of this yeah and so we're talking about uh, conviction is going towards god and and running to repentance shame is going away from god so what do we tend to run to when we feel shame then Mm. That's a great question. Oh, probably many things, but something that's going to make you feel better about yourself. Some some form of external validation or affirmation or escape. So we're going to run to something that tells us that what we did actually is good. You know, so we will um, go and talk to people that we know are going to tell us that actually you did the right thing. Like, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Everyone's mm. doing it. Um, or we will do some kind of distracting coping mechanism, you know. Um, and often often our coping mechanism is not God, <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's the def- we're running away from him. Uh-huh. And our coping mechanism actually fuels that shame a little bit. Yeah, it's a cycle. Yeah. Like because binge eating um, is is a common one. And trust me, it makes you feel ashamed. <laughs> it's a cycle. Um, same with pornography. It's It's a cycle. You run to it because you, you're trying to escape and it's a way of comforting yeah. yourself. But then afterwards you feel terrible about yourself. And because you feel terrible about yourself, you go to it again. It's it's an addictive yeah. cycle. And even even going to a coping me- mechanism that is, that's a person, you go to them sure. knowing that they're going to validate what you did. Yeah. That still or comfort you and be yeah. like, it's okay. You know, That still doesn't change how you feel under God. No. Because it's just humans saying, oh, yeah, pat on the back, giving you a hug. Yep. And that often just fuels this shame yeah, and makes yeah. it worse and worse uh-huh. and worse. Yeah. And so have, have you ever been in a situation where you've run to an unhealthy coping mechanism? Well, yeah, I was addicted to porn for 10 years. Um, that was my coping mechanism. Um, drinking has been a problem. Um, I don't drink anymore because I haven't drunk in, I haven't had a sip of alcohol in like nine months, maybe 10 months now. It was one of those things where I had come out of uh, pornography addiction and it had been a reasonable amount of time, but then other things were beginning to fill the coping mechanism space. And I was finding I was probably drinking once a day, you know, and it was kind of like becoming a routine thing. And really clearly one day I was fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit said, I never want you to drink again. And I was like, whoa, like that's, that's a big deal. Never again. And he said, I need you to trust me on this one. It was as if he saw my, well, of course he saw my future. And, you know, I have a history of alcoholism in my family as well. So it's not completely crazy, but um, it would have become probably an alcohol problem over time. And um, I'm very prone to addictive things like that. So there have been um, unhealthy coping mechanisms that I've had very detrimental yeah. to myself and, for and sure. did that lead you into like a spiral sort of thing or did that, did that did it get better for a while and then you realize oh this is terrible or oh um binge purge cycle yeah you know Classic. so you binge for a season you feel guilty and you feel ashamed so you try really really hard to not do it but you're just trying to do it in your own strength yeah. um i describe it as trying to hold a beach ball underwater 
which is really hard, right? I don't know if you've ever played in yeah. the pool and you're yeah. like, you try that to, game you, where you, you try to sit on it. You right? try and sit and on it. It floats up and, and it, it just pops up, up behind and you. And it pops up behind you with some force. Yeah. That's how it felt to me. Like I wasn't doing it. I was holding under the water. But after time, I just got exhausted and then, whew, yeah. Um, and then I actually, you know, basically did rehab and it was as if it got punctured and awesome. suddenly the air dissipated and it was that feeling of freedom. Um, but yeah, I think for me, shame and guilt over behavioral problems and insecurities and brokenness and, and wounds and childhood issues and addictions all needed coping. It, I, I, I needed to cope with all of that brokenness. And the way that I had learned to medicate pain was pornography, yeah. mostly amongst other things. And since dealing with that, I've realized that Jesus Christ is the coping mechanism that I was designed to have. Like God was the one who made me. And he knew that I would need to cope with the pain and stress of life. And so he designed it that my relationship with him and my intimacy with him would enable me to cope with life. And so I have found that actually being in the presence of God when I feel crappy about myself is the only thing that helps me cope that doesn't leave me feeling ashamed afterward. Shout out to Josh's friend Maka who thought I do play that on piano live. <laughs> Is that what okay? you don't? Oh, <laughs> my true. dreams are shattered. Yeah, yeah. Oh. we've broken the fourth wall. We have. It, it will. What? Oh, what is that called? Because we're not on TV. You just said it. It's not the fourth wall. There's not. Yeah, on sec- audio. Second wall. I don't know. I don't know. Dimension. <laughs> I'll research. We've break, broken <laughs> the <you>. fourth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> I'll research that for you. Um, Welcome to Proverb Shmoverb. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> the, the scores: three, one, one, zero. Sam three, Josh one, Michelle one, super zero. Yeah, you know what that means. You, uh, you can't win. It's double points for this yeah. round. Oh, you want to go? All I said or that last week. You did. Winner takes all. You did. You last, did say that. Last goal wins. Nice. Last goal wins. <laughs> the old primary school last goal wins. Yeah, yeah. Got a good one for today. Okay, let's go. Let's just go into. Do you want to hear a good story of last point wins? Is it a sports story? It's what I did, but so don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Is it one of your amazing humble stories? Yeah. <laughs> a team of horses oh. will struggle to chase down a spoken word. <laughs> <laughs> Save the hardest one to last. Okay, a team? Okay. A team of horses will struggle to chase down a spoken word. Both understand? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm on airplane mode. I got heard you correctly. Hey, Sam, Heinrich, have you noticed? I only noticed halfway through the podcast recording that we are so low budged that the fake plant on the desk it's is It's almost dead. dead. It's dying. It's oh my gosh. fake and it's dead. <laughs> what? How does that work? I don't know. Take a picky. We'll maybe put it on the ground. Probably not. <laughs> if we were if we were a commercial radio station, <laughs> 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 hey, I have access to the gram. The gram. Just check it out, guys, on our on the socials. Check it on the socials. Uh, all right, Sam, hold on, hold on. Sam's in. Ooh, okay. okay. Who are you backing here, Ben? Oh, sorry, Sam. Who are you backing here? Um, always Sam. Throw <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh. I don't know game. what it is, but Josh just like. He doesn't, I don't think he understands the rules of the game. I back you, Josh. I don't. I'm backing the underdog. He's still typing, so writing an essay. I can tell you this much, Josh. I've seen his thumbs going crazy and the real meaning doesn't go for that long. Well, why, why did you say oh, no. thumbs? I only use one thumb and an index. <laughs> Got you there. Okay, you win. <laughs> did you send it? Oh, okay, cool. So winner takes all. This is huge. Winner. Takes all. I've got my applause button ready. All right. A team of horses will struggle to chase down this feels a spoken un- word. Josh is standing. Josh is standing. This is a big moment. Josh is oh, standing. Man. A team of horses will struggle to chase down a spoken word. The meaning. No, sh- no wait. Do I say the meaning first? What are you yeah, you say the meaning no, first. No, you don't. You say the meaning first. Oh, no, 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 no. Say no. I say yours first. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Josh has said, words cut deeper than actions. 
Sam has said, when there is too many voices, it's hard to hear the truth. A team of horses will struggle to chase down a spoken word. Josh said, words cut deeper than action. Sam said, when there's too many voices, it's hard to hear the truth. The horses are the actions, the words are the spoken word. Yeah, we, we got what you thank were trying you. to say. Um, this is from the Analex of Yan Yuan. Oh, boy. It means a word spoken can never be taken back. What? I think I won. When there's too many voices, it's hard to hear the truth, Sam said. Words cut deeper than actions. Just what did you say? Amazing. Words cut deeper than actions? I just don't you dare speak. Sam, help me out. No Sam influencing. No influencing. Help you me two. out. Help me out. You two don't speak. What was Josh's again? Words cut deeper than actions. And the meaning is basically you can't take back what you say. And Sam said, when there's too many voices, it's hard to hear the truth. I hate to say this, but Josh, Josh has definitely won. <laughs> Correct. Josh is the winner. <laughs> the great, well done, Joshy. The great no! Stephen Bradbury. Oh, all those wins for yes. nothing. Oh, it's oh. Oh. the most unfair system, but <laughs> this system sucks. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Joshy, how do you feel? Congratulations I, no, on winning I, season two. I honestly never thought this day would come. <laughs> it didn't really come. I still won by points. No, so you didn't. Oh my it takes gosh. Broken by what a trash game. I want a new game next season. Stephen Bradbury. We will be going this. for a new game next Thank season. you very much. I don't know. I'll find a radio. Thank you very much. Josh Mann got the W. <laughs> oh, well done, Josh. No. Oh, that's awesome. And I think we, what we said, you said before that often again, we run to things that give us status yeah, and that pump up our tires and make us look good. And so you're not, you're not like, no one's really watching pornography in public, right? Because I've of, seen it a few times actually. <laughs> so there was this, let's tell that story right there. But anyway, if you want to ask me a funny story at some point, <laughs> I literally have we, seen it. A we few do times. that. We do that behind closed doors to make ourselves feel Most better. Most people. Yeah. But often, <laughs> but I'm trying often, to bait you into me telling a story. It's no, not gonna we're, we're not going to happen. We're not going to go there. But we do things in public as coping mechanisms to make ourselves look better when we yes. feel shame. I think that's good. Again, I think this is something that I've I've fallen into as well. And there's mm -hmm. a whole idea of like like being a workaholic or just yeah. striving so much in in another area of your life. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be your spiritual life. For me, it was. Um, being a chaplain or being a teacher, yeah. I did all these things so that people, and we've talked about this approval, right? So that people would yeah. see how good I was and all that was doing mm -hmm. was fueling this pride yes. because I was running away from something that I felt ashamed of. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's key to note there as well. Often in public, we run to things that will pump up our tires and make ourselves look good because yeah. deep down we feel crap about ourselves. Exactly, because we're fighting against the lie of the enemy in our own strength. Because yeah. the lie of the enemy is, and that's kind of what insecurity is, it's something happens to you as a kid and suddenly you feel like you're never smart enough, right? Because something happened. And then what you do is you try and work really hard to appear smart to people, but it's an idol. You never feel smart enough, right? Which leads you to feel pain and you need to cope with that yeah. by working yeah. harder. And it's this negative cycle that can only be broken by God telling you the truth yeah. about yourself. Yeah. So I, I know I'm not the smartest in the room all the time, so it's okay. <laughs> it's it's other things for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I, that was just a, I was trying to bet you into telling me how good I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what what that it's okay. what I'm that boils down to right now. What that boils down to is that we think identity and status can give that we give ourselves, right? Yeah. The identity and status that we give ourselves has more value than the identity and status that Jesus gives us. Yeah. We think because we feel shame, mm -hmm. we're trying to build our own identity. Mm -hmm. And deep down, we think that we can build our own identity mm -hmm. that is more value than, than the identity that Jesus gives us. Now, interesting um, thing here, and I think we need to press into that, so when you say the identity that Jesus gives us, I think this is where most Christians um, get hung up, okay? Because we want a relationship with our Heavenly Father that is unique to us, right? So we want to hear from our Heavenly Father, I see you, like I love you, I am proud of you. Like, I'm excited about you. I have good plans for you. And you're my son, right? I My fear is that 
we've actually overemphasized our old sinful broken identity in the sense that we have brought it into our new identity in Christ, which says that you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and the only thing that God loves about you is that he sees Jesus when he sees you. Yeah. Right? Now, That's not intimacy. It's not intimacy, and it's not good theology. It's really unhelpful theology because it leaves people thinking, I'm a horrible, dirty, rotten person that God only loves because mm. he loves Jesus. Yeah. He doesn't really love me. It adds to that shame cycle. It adds to the shame cycle because it means you don't expect God to like you when you come into his presence. It actually feeds the shame because you think, yeah, I'm just this worm that God doesn't like and I can't do anything good. And every time I do something, it's like the sovereignty of God. And, you know, I I never do anything good. And so, of course, when I come into God's presence, he's going to whip me and say, you should be thankful that Jesus died for you, you dirty, rotten sinner. Right. But no, God, Jesus died for you because he loves you. Like he loved you before Christ died for you. And we looked at it in the first episode. Right. And it's like this full circle back to that. It's like if you don't have a revelation that God the Father actually likes you and loves you and has a unique plan for your life and that you can do things that please him, you will never be intimate with him because you don't understand his heart. Mm. Yeah. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand the gospel. And that's hard to hear. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and it was me until, you know, recently, right? Where we don't fully understand the weight of the gospel because, Mm. as you said, we often think, oh, yeah, God only loves us because he says Jesus in us. No, no, no. He loved us before he died for us. Yes. And And he died for you because he loves you. Exactly. And so that's, we want to stop and reiterate that and say, God loves you. He loved you before he died for you. It's not he doesn't love you just because Jesus died for you. Yeah. He died for you because he loves you, right? Mm-hmm. And so when, we, when we're feeling shame and we run to these other coping mechanisms and we try to build our own identity, that's one. So, so the table's falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea that God only loves us because of Jesus is one thing when not believing about God, but not believing that God actually loves us. Right. Another thing that we're not believing about God when we're running to these coping mechanisms and when we're feeling shame Mm -hmm. is that God is actually a friend of sinners. Yeah. And we we see that all throughout the New Testament, that Jesus is a friend to the people who stuff up. Yes. And to the people who feel shame that they've brought shame upon their family, that brought Mm -hmm. shame upon Mm -hmm. their region. He actually is a friend to yeah. them. And more than that, and we are discussing a couple of days ago, he's more than just a friend. He's like a, a defender. Yeah. A protector yes. of sinners. Yes. Um, I love that. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. The, so there's this amazing story of um, called The Woman at the Well, where Jesus goes to a well and he diverts to the well because he knows that she's going to be there. And there's this woman at the well she's drawing up water and Jesus being, you know, the super prophet that he was and is knew every single thing about this woman. Right. And she um, was uh, a little like her life was a mess and she'd been um, with many, many men. And that was her reputation. And she, you know, um, I think she was a she was a Samaritan, a Samaritan as well. Yeah. So Jews, which Jesus was, and Samaritans never talked to each no. other, and men never spoke to a woman that wasn't their wife, particularly at the well. Well, they probably did speak to women that weren't their <laughs> wife, but it was different yeah. culture. Yeah. Anyway, point is, she was mega surprised that Jesus even struck up a conversation yeah. with her. But Jesus um, says to her something along the lines of, "I." know what you're doing, yeah. right? I know that you're sleeping around. I know you've got many husbands, um, but uh, I will give you water that will never run out, mm. right? Pretty random response to her question. <laughs> um, and she says, where can I get this water? And Jesus says, I am, hey. I am the water. You'll be satisfied in me. Here's what Jesus does. He knows that she's doing these things because she's thirsty for intimacy and approval Mm. and affirmation and that thirst is driving her towards an idolatry which is trying to find it in men and jesus sees that her heart can only be satisfied in his presence and so instead of coming at her and saying hey your behavior sucks 
go and fix yourself. Um, he says, hey, I see the need of your heart and I can fulfill that, right? And he, he quenches her thirst and she goes into the town and she tells everybody about a man who told me everything I ever did, mm. right? So Jesus told her the truth. He, she knows that Jesus knew everything about her yeah. and yet she didn't feel shamed by Jesus. In fact, the way that Jesus responded to everything that she was doing made her feel loved by Jesus, yeah. Which means that in order to, in order to make someone feel grace, you don't have to skirt around their sin. Yeah, you have to tell them the truth, but in love. Exactly. Right. So Jesus, in fact, defends this woman. Yeah. And there's a there's another story where um, there's a, a pile of religious leaders. Yeah. Gonna they're gonna stone an a adulterer. woman, yeah. an adulterer who who'd slept with someone that wasn't her husband, mm. and Jesus literally steps in the way yeah. and says, "All like if you have not sinned, then you can cast yeah. the first stone." So Jesus literally fights against shame, which is yeah. coming from the religious leaders, and defends the woman from the shame of these people, and puts it back on them and says, "Hey, we're all a mess here. Like, stop judging her for yeah. for a sin." Yeah, and so. That is true for us. Right. What we read in the Bible there, woman at the well, the stoning, the adulterer, that is true for us. Yeah. Jesus wants to defend us. Yeah. He's a friend of sinners. He's a defender of sinners. Mm-hmm. And he wants to defend us from the yeah. shame that society and actually the church, yeah. unfortunately, you know, makes us believe mm-hmm. in this, this shame. The devil tempts us and, and that's, what, that's what happens. And so we need to remember that Jesus is our defender. Yeah. And so... Next time we're we're feeling shame, mm-hmm. try okay. This is I'm going to say something. You can tell me if it's wrong. Can you turn? I'm just going to formulate into a question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> can you can you feel shame, and then the Holy Spirit quickly turn it to conviction? Right? Can you opt? Can you feel shame and you're like you you're about to run away, mm. but then you're like actually I know I shouldn't run away. I should go towards God. What is that? Is that shame or is huh. that conviction? It's a really good question. Let's break it down this way. Shame is a lie from mm. the enemy that says what you did defines who you are, Yeah, right? The Holy Spirit is also referred to in the Bible as the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, you did this thing. It's not who you are because Jesus Christ has changed who you are. Mm. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're righteous. Um, so then because the shame has been taken away from it, you're left with conviction, Right, yeah, which correct. is still yeah, I did the wrong thing, but it doesn't define who I am. Yeah. And now I care about it because it hurt God. Yeah. Right. And that's interesting because the woman that went back that met Jesus at the well changed. Yeah. Right. She changed. She didn't have shame, but she changed, and she led her whole town to Jesus. Right. So conviction still leads us to behavioral change, but only because we've been loved. By Jesus, nice, right? And so it's actually the love of Christ, and the Bible says it this way: the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Yeah, right. So shame does not lead us to repentance. The kindness and grace of Jesus Christ, who says, "I know everything you've ever done, and look, I can save you from it." Yeah, and then that makes us go, "God, I love you so much. Yep. I want to be like you." And and when that happens in your life, that is the Holy Spirit at work. Yes. I, often I meet people and like, I don't really feel the Holy Spirit working. Mm-hmm. That is an instance where the Holy Spirit is working. Yeah. Where you feel ashamed, you're about to run away, and then you either sort and go, you get this thought of, no, actually, I should go to God. Yeah. That is literally Holy the Holy Spirit intervening. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you to press into that moment. Mm-hmm. Press in the moment you feel shame and you want to run away. Yeah. Press into what the Spirit is saying in that moment. Yeah. Go towards God because we've got to remember it as well. God delights in second chances. Oh, yeah. He delights in repentance. Mm-hmm. It's not as if he's going, oh, yep, that was another time Sam, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hayward repented. He yeah. lovingly and will welcome you mm-hmm. into repentance. Yeah. And it's not just on the day that you decide to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a daily thing for, for all of us yeah. that we have to repent and go towards the Father totally. and pursue intimacy rather than running away from him. Yeah. And so in this moment, in shame, in guilt, mm. why is intimacy greater? Why is intimacy greater? I think because there's something so freeing about hearing the truth 
from the Father himself. When he says, when he kind of picks you up and he says, you're not enslaved to this. It kind of gives you, gives you hope, mm. you know, because there's this feeling of like, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't fix this problem in my life. And, you know, other people would reject you because you did it, but he doesn't. And actually, when you come into his presence and he doesn't whip you, he just says, hey, I still love you. You know, it, right, in the, right in the mess of it, right, right when you've sinned, being able to go to someone who will say, hey, this doesn't change how I see you at all. You know that God can't love you anymore and he can't love you any less. You know, isn't that amazing? There's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do. Like even if you did the coolest thing ever, ran the most awesome event, like thousands of people got saved, preached the best sermon you've ever preached, God's going to go, hey, that's a pretty cool thing. I'm glad we got to do that together. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was, that was fun. But of course, I don't love you anymore. Yeah. And on the flip side, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make him love you less. Yeah. Right? And because of that truth, you can come into his presence when you feel terrible about yourself and he's going to tell you the truth about yourself. Yeah. He's going to say, you know why I died for you? I died for you because I love you to save you from being enslaved to this way of life. And this is going to be a journey, but I can fix this yeah. in you and you can have freedom from this. It's the freedom from that cycle. We're from that about. cycle. Yeah. But even before we get there, yeah. I still love you. Yeah. You I, know, I think, that's all you need to hear. Yeah. I think we trick ourselves into thinking that God's love is like, the, the best way I can explain this is, you know, when you're playing video games and there's like a health bar, yeah. we think that God's love is, is like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And like when we do good, it goes up mm -hmm. and reaches the top. We're like, oh, yes, God loves us. God loves us. But yeah. when you do bad, it then diminishes. It goes down. It goes yeah. down. But there's there's no gauge for God's love. No. It broke the gauge. It's infinite, <laughs> right? Totally. And so that's what we got to, we trick ourselves into thinking that God, there's a cap to God's love. Yeah. And then God's love can be emptied. Yeah. But it's not. It's so true, man. It's infinite yeah and i don't know how you, we can fathom that we can't we can't but it's we just need to know the truth yeah that god loves you they he loves you more than you could ever imagine mm. and because of that you can have freedom from that cycle of shame there is nothing that you can do that will ever separate you from that love yeah it's good and as well as that we don't have to come to god as as guilty sinners we can actually come to him as a son Right. As a daughter. Mm -hmm. We no longer approach God as shame tells us we're approaching God as a guilty sinner on our hands and knees and we're shaking. Mm. But knowing the love that God has for us, we can come to him as a child. Yeah. And walk into his arms. Yeah. And embrace, he can embrace us. Yeah. And take us under his wing. Yeah. And that's the difference. That's, in, that's interesting. It's an interesting way to put it. Um, I don't think I've heard someone say that before and I really like it. I think because... You know, if you're an employee and you do the wrong thing, you have a certain fear of punishment. And um, I can't remember what verse it is, but I think it says, Sam, maybe you could look that up for us if you want a job. Just Google. <laughs> here's what I do. Google verse fear of punishment and it'll, it'll bring up your phones off. We knew this was going to come back to bite us. But anyway, there's... um. Uh, maybe it's shame. I don't know. Anyway, what am I saying? What am I? What? How do we start that? I've lost my train of thought. Sam's googling it right now. Just, just Google verse. Fear of nice. fear of punishment. You say we often think that there is a fear of punishment when we look oh, at an employee. Yeah, the the employee thing. So if if you're an employee and you do the wrong thing, what do you fear? Being fired. Mm. You know, and your boss is totally in, in the rights to do that. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. Good padding, we got there. <laughs> Solid, 1 John 14, 18, there is no fear in love. Nice. But perfect love drives out fear because, because fear has to do with punishment, right? And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, what's really important about that verse is that... Um, <laughs> With, with God and your sin, you don't have to fear the punishment of God anymore. Like an employee would have to fear the punishment of being fired for doing the wrong thing at work. You can't fire a son from being a son. You can't fire a daughter from being a daughter. And so what that means is because of the love of God, which made you adopted to sonship, 
When you come to God, Hebrews says that you can come boldly into the throne of grace because you're a son, because you're a daughter. God isn't going to punish you for what you did. He's not going to punish you for what you did. All of the punishment for what you did has already been poured out on Jesus Christ, Mm. all of it. So it would be unjust of God to punish you, right? Yeah. Keep that in mind. Wow. It would be unjust of God to punish you because he already poured it all out on Jesus, Mm. right? And God. It's against his character to punish you. It's against his character to punish you. He will discipline you. Yes. But discipline is different to punishment, as we know from our parents. Right, So what that means is when we come to God, we can have assurance that when we come to him, he's not going to whip us and scold us and punish us. Instead, he's going to restore us, correct us, teach us, and maybe discipline us, nice. which is sweet yep. and enjoyable as opposed to punishment. Yeah. And just to clarify, we're talking about the Christian coming to God there, the Christian coming to God oh, yeah. and someone who's already repented. Right. right? Um, and that's, that's, a, that's the call is... Yeah. In, in your life, have you have you repented? Have yes. you gone to God and gone, look, I've stuffed up? Yeah. And I, I want to enter a relationship with you. And when you enter that relationship, you are a son and a daughter. Yeah. You enter into that adoption sonship. That's really good. Because if you're not a son, if you haven't entered into that adoption yeah. of sonship, mm-hmm. then the truth of the matter is that there actually is punishment. There, there is punishment. At the end, yeah. right? Um, and so I just want to clarify there that totally. it's, it's that the, the Christian who has repented, that has that adoption. Yes. But who wouldn't want to be adopted into God's families? If you're listening right now and you, and you haven't made that step, mm. do it. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or ask someone about it. Yeah. If you've never thought about the idea that God himself, the God that created this universe, who created you individually, wants to welcome you into his family as a son, as a daughter, lean into that. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. That's good. I really feel right now the Holy Spirit actually wanting us to give people an opportunity to do that um, because we've been talking about intimacy with God for a whole season now. Mm. And maybe you've been listening to this and you have had your heart strangely warmed by the Holy Spirit calling you into intimacy with God. And you do need to know, as Josh said, it is a decision. You need to um, turn from your rebellion against God and turn to his grace, you know, and I think right now, if if that's you, all that you need to do to have the intimacy with God that we've been talking about and to have the love of God, which takes away all of that fear that you have of being responsible for what you've done, because right now you are responsible for every single decision that you make, you will have to give an account for, right? And that's scary. And that's why the gospel is good news. Mm. Because when you come to Jesus, every single thing that you've ever said, thought, or done wrong has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do if you want that is to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry for rebelling against you and running away from you and kicking against you. I get it. Like you've been pursuing me because you love me. And I love you too. You know, I want to have a relationship with you. Um, that's it, yeah. you know? And so if you want to do that, um, it's, it's pretty simple. Why don't, we, why don't we pray with people right now and then we can move on? Um, so if you want to give your life to Jesus and um, become a Christian, become a disciple, become a follower of Jesus, you can just pray this prayer with us uh, and we'll do it in the studio. It's a simple prayer. Basically, it's something along the lines of Jesus is my life. It's taking ownership of uh, your responsibility for your life. Say, Jesus, this is my life. I want to give it to you. I'm sorry for using it for my own gain, but I want to use it for your glory because I see, I see now. I see the plan of the enemy to distract me from you. I see the idols that have promised me things that aren't actually true. I give it all up. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. Would you forgive me? Amen. That's it. So we're going to pray something like that. And if, if you want to become a Christian, all you have to do is pray that in, in your own heart. Mm. Be, be real before the Lord. We had an amazing moment with this on our, on our lead team retreat oh, yeah. um, with a young man named Jordy, and he became a Christian. And we led him through this prayer. And usually people pray the same words, you know, say, say back exactly the same words. But he made the whole prayer his own, which was so beautiful. Mm. So if you want to put your own words in here, we'd yeah. encourage you to do that too. But we'll, we'll just pray with people right now. Jesus, here is my life. 
I want to give it to you. I understand that you gave me life and breath and everything, but I've used it for my own personal gain. God, I'm sorry. I can see you now because of your Holy Spirit. God, I can see that you love me. And I love you too. I want to give my life to you. Do with my life as you want to do. Use it for your glory. Give me the name of Christ. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I repent for running away from you. And I run towards you now. Change my life. Fill me with the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for leading us through that, Sammy. And if, if that was you, if you did pray that, uh, we really, really encourage you to reach out to someone. Mm. If, it, if it's through our Instagram, if it's through something, just reach out and they can hook you into wherever you are, into a local church that will help you disciple and, and walk with Christ mm. through the rest of your life. And if you just prayed that prayer or if you prayed that prayer 15 years ago, no matter who you are, you've got to remember that you are a new creation mm. and we need to go into the new Go into the new with intimacy with God and don't dwell in the old. Yeah. And again, again, and again, and again, we need to continue to go into the new. It's good. Because God delights in repentance, no matter if you do it for the first time or the hundredth time. Yeah. You can do it however many times you want, but step into the new. Yeah. How about this time we, we step into the new and we don't dwell in the old, the guilt and the shame that we have. And just very, very quickly, the last mm. thing I want to chat about and we mentioned at the start that sometimes we've developed this shame culture in church yeah and so if if we have intimacy with god and that drives out the shame that that ends the cycle Mm. what should the church do yeah look basically we have to be honest with each other and have a culture where it's okay to not be okay you know i long for the day when people come to church with masks off and feel we're not talking about COVID. <laughs> so true. I long for both of those days, <laughs> like literal masks off and, you know, fake the yeah. fakeness yeah. off as well. Um, I long for the moment where we have a culture in which we're all real with each other and say, mm. look, um, I'm not going to, I know you're not going to, you know, whip me and shame me for this. So I'm going to be honest with you. And this is what I'm struggling with right now. This is what I'm going through. This is what I need God to work on in my life. And then, for, for someone to say, hey, let me tell you the truth about who you are. Let me pray with you and let me walk with you. Mm. You know, that's what I want. That's the church that Jesus Christ died for. That's the church that the Holy Spirit is passionate about building. And I think that's what we need to have. But it takes all of us to actually, one, be honest about our own crap. That's where it starts. Like having a culture like this starts with you, listener, being real with everybody else. Don't say, oh, other people need to be real with me. You need to be real with everybody else and risk being shamed by people, (laughs) right? That's where it starts. And if someone shames you, be like, it's not okay to shame me because we have a culture here of conviction and grace and repentance, not shame and guilt, Mm, right? It's good. But on the flip side, whenever someone is actually brave enough to be honest with you, don't shame them. Don't tell them to just stop what they're doing. Tell them the truth about who they are in Jesus Christ. Love them and then say, hey, let me pray. Let me lay hands on you and pray for you. And then let me walk with you in this. It doesn't stop at praying. No, it's let's let's do this together. Let's walk in this. yeah, and that, that's that's the thing, and I've done this. Right. Where someone has come to me and they've said, I've stuffed up. Right. And I've said, you know, you just need to read the Bible. And we've yeah. read the Bible together and you go, okay, you just need to pray. And mm. we and I pray. And then it stops there. Right. Then you, you're teaching them to do it in their own strength. Exactly. And yeah. that's that's not going to be the case. You have to walk alongside yeah. someone mm. and disciple them in this way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really what as a church we need to do because the church is never going to stop preaching the gospel. No. And the thing of the gospel is it's going to call out some behaviors because mm-hmm. that's the gospel. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so the church will never stop preaching the gospel. Yep. But the second part is just as important. Yep. We should never stop walking with someone who feels shame. Yes. So preach the gospel. Go hard in preaching the gospel. Preach yep. Jesus, his love that is never ending, that is infinite. Yeah. But also walk alongside people. Yeah. 
and don't accentuate this cycle of shame. Yep. Let's put it to a stop. Yep. Let's break the, the shame cycle like yep. Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's actually more important than it seems. Because if you don't walk with someone, you breed a culture where people hide their stuff because they don't want to be dropped, right? Which is a significant problem. Because if you don't walk with someone after you've, con- after you've rebuked them or corrected them, it says in order for you to be a part of us, you have to not sin. Yeah. So what happens? People sin and lie about it or they're, they're liars. Yeah. Because everyone messes up and everybody sins. Exactly. However, the only way to change the culture of um, actually having a transparent, honest, real, Jesus-loving, um, holy, God-honoring culture is where A, yeah, you call people out, but B, you don't drop them. You walk with them. You pursue them harder in relationship yep. than you pursued them before. That's great. So never stop preaching the gospel, but we need to re- we need to again walk with people and not drop them. Yeah, call it out. Walk with them. Pursue pursue them harder than mm-hmm. what you did before. Yeah, like you just said. And and so thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope that this has been an enlightening episode for you. It certainly has for me to reflect on the way that I have um, behaved the last couple of years and months and the way I have treated people and um, often perpetuating that, that cycle of shame. Mm. Thing we really want you to remember, go into the new. Yeah. Go into the new freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, and don't dwell on the old. It's good. Remember that renewal in our generation must start with the renewal of our hearts. And remember that uh, we're going to be taking questions from you guys in our next episode. So we would love to hear questions and just next episode, we're just going to answer your questions. So send us your questions on Instagram or Instagram. (laughs) And if you don't have Instagram, get Instagram. Thanks, guys.